Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we come to a divine intersection. A divine, wonderful collision of the law and the prophet. The law is represented by Moses. He is the law receiver and the law giver of Israel on Mount Sinai, by God Himself, and Elijah, representing all the prophets and all the promises of God, come together and converge on a mountain. This is a divine intersection. What a blessing for Peter and James and John to be there. That doesn't escape Peter at all. He starts mumbling about Uh, tents and things. But here we have the realization that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament, of all of Moses and all of Elijah. It comes together here right now in the person of God's Son, Jesus Christ. This is what we know about the transfiguration. It's obvious. It is spoken in the midst of the cloud from God Himself. This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. These are all absolutely explicit in the text here. But there's something implicit too, and it's another type of divine intersection. It's not as clear though, and we definitely need the context before we can understand it. And the context would be the verses that come right before the transfiguration verses in our text. So this is Luke 9, 23 through 27. And it really fits into the first verse of our lesson today, 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James. What sayings? What sayings are we referring to in our text today? Here they are. And he said, Jesus said, to all of them, to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his life. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here today who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. This mountain, it's a very large hill. Um, I don't know what the elevation would be from the base to the top, but it's definitely probably about a couple thousand feet easy. I remember that you have to take special buses to get up there for... uh, 
I've been to the Holy Land about eight times, and seven of the eight times we just drove by this Mount Transfiguration, and the, the tour guide would say, there's the Mount of Transfiguration as we sped by going through the um, valley that's called Armageddon. And Armageddon in Israel is the breadbasket of Israel. It is the place, it is a fertile place where um, all the produce and the, and the bread, the wheat for Israel is, is grown, is here in the valley of Armageddon. And up out of the middle of the valley of Armageddon comes this wonderful, just outcropping of a hill. This is the Mount of Transfiguration, the Mount that Jesus climbed and where he was praying. And as he was praying was transfigured. You've got to think. You've got to think of of what's going on here with the text that just came up that we read about what Jesus had said and what happens to Jesus in this glorious moment. The reality is this, and there's a message here, that there's suffering before glory. If we go to the verses before verse 23, if we do 21 and 22, he, and he, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell no one. Because Peter had just confessed that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, tell no one. And then he says to them, verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. Then he tells them about denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following Jesus. And then after these things, eight days later, he goes up on the mountainside. Eight days is key. Because eight days reminds us of the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is what Peter is actually getting after. He doesn't realize that that's what he's doing. But the eighth day of Tabernacle was the day of celebration, the big, wonderful feast. And this... This transfiguration is a foretaste of the feast of glory to come, but not without first very much suffering. Suffering of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Moses and Elijah are talking with him about his departure. Departure in Hebrew means exodus. This is a new exodus. Not like the old exodus. But this is a new exodus for us and for you and for me. Out of sin, death, and the power of the devil. Not just a geographical exodus, but a spiritual exodus. And that's what Jesus is going to Jerusalem to bring together. To accomplish for you and for me. Because we're sinful. And we are under the power of sin. It is our daily lives. That's why Jesus says, die, take up your cross, take up your mode and means of death and dying, and follow me. Do this daily and follow me. Take up your cross and daily follow me. And where do, where do we take up our cross at? Apart from the waters of baptism. Where our exodus occurred. The waters of baptism where we died to sin, death, and the power of the devil by the washing and rebirth of our Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ by faith, by word, and water. 
This is what it means. This is what Jesus means when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Make the sign of the cross on your, over you because you have been marked and redeemed by Jesus Christ, the crucified. Now in this world, you'll experience it. It's almost been promised. Suffering. Maybe it's a small suffering and that's what we pray. But it might be a massive suffering. Jesus understands what you're going through. He knows suffering. Because he suffered for you. He even mentions it and talks to the disciples about it and the verses just leading up to this transfiguration. And then after this suffering, what comes? But this glorious realization, this glorious presentation of a transfiguration of our Lord. And as he spends his three days in the tomb, and we're approaching that in just about six weeks or so, the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They're suffering before glory. And that's what this life is. This life is a birthing. It is a birth of you and I into glory everlasting with Jesus, with God, with the angels, with the archangels, with the whole company of heaven, with Peter, with James, with John, with all those in whom faith has been created by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what transfiguration is, and that's what transfiguration means. It is a glimpse into the reality that is ours when Jesus Christ comes again in glory. Amen. And now may the peace of God, it transcends our ability to understand or comprehend. Keep and guard your hearts and your minds, always and ever focused on your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.